Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Good morning, everyone. We'll be taking the Bible reading from Matthew 6, 5 to 8. And when I'm done, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. Please repeat by saying thanks be to God. Matthew Matthew 6, 5 to 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, your father knows what you need before you ask him. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> so good to be here in the uh, warm state of uh, Nigeria, Lagos as a state, right? And it's a little warm here today. Deeply enjoying it. Uh, it was several years ago, um, I had been worshiping at a church, and maybe you've heard of it, the Village Church in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Matt Chandler is the pastor, and after the service, Matt and I were talking a little bit. And he was talking about what he was excited about in Acts 29. Uh, and, and you know, Acts 29 has had probably a rough history. And at that time, he said, there's one thing that we're doing that we're deeply excited about, and that's the churches we're starting in emerging regions. And uh, when I got back, I looked that up, and a good friend of ours was doing that, and it really fit our heart and our profile and what we wanted to do. So I called Kevin Peck up. Has Kevin been here? Has Matt Chandler been here? Steve Timmis? Oh. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, but it, I didn't mean it like that. I just said I didn't mean it like that. But anyway, back to the story. Uh, we called Kevin, and he said, oh, you'd be perfect for this. We'd love you to help us. And we said, matter of fact, we have a church planter in town. Uh, we would like you to meet. And so for coffee, we met with uh, Femi. It was about three hours that we met and talked about his vision for Lagos. I want to tell you, uh, I have never been so captured by a vision. You know, it's, it's one thing to know Christ. It's another thing to be the body of Christ. But it's still another thing to be the body of Christ for the people around you. And uh, Femi's vision was to see this church replicate church after church after church until the whole city is filled with the gospel and you get to be a part of that. And I have loved hanging out with your staff. I've deeply enjoyed hanging out. You know, Femi and Tosun are such good friends of ours. We deeply love them. Uh, Femi is actually my favorite preacher. I, I don't know if you guys know how blessed you are to hear Femi uh, every week, but he is actually my favorite to listen to. And uh, so <laughs> we are blessed to be a part of this team. Before we go into the Word, why don't uh, we go back to prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed your heart and your character to us in Scripture. You've not left us guessing who you are or how deeply you love us or the depth of the sacrifice that you have made for us in Christ Jesus. You've taken those that are far away and you have brought them near in Christ Jesus. And we confess along with the Apostle Paul that every 
word of Scripture is breathed out by your Spirit and that you use your word to build us up in Christ Jesus so that we may be complete and not lacking anything. And Father, our prayer in this moment is you would take from those things that are yours and that you would make them ours and that you would continue the work that you began in us in the moment we received Christ Jesus as Lord and carry it on to completion until the day we see him. It's in blessed name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you imagine what it must have possibly been like to hear Jesus teach? Uh, and the scripture says that people from all over Judea would come out to hear him. And of course, when we hear the New Testament, you know, describe the setting in which he taught, he taught in wonderful settings. The one sermon we call the Sermon on the Plain, and of course, the most famous sermon we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it's supposed to have been over a hill looking the Sea of Galilee. Uh, for those who were city dwellers, it must have been nice to get out city, sit on the grassy, you know, knoll, and to see the sea behind them, see the kids playing, see people you've never seen before, see people you haven't seen in a long time. There's a lot of lively conversations, kids over here and kids over there. I don't know what, you know, <clears throat> Palestinian kids played in Jesus' time, but we can imagine them kicking a football around, can't we? And they're just having fun. And then all of a sudden, the teacher takes place, and he begins to speak, and there's a quiet it falls over the entire village. Even some of the kids are picking up a ball and they're, they're looking back and, and, and they're listening. They're hanging on every word. And, and they're there and they're hearing him and as they're listening to him, it only feels like a few but, but But by the time they know it, they have been there all day and they've listened to him all day. And so when you left after hearing Jesus teach, the end of the buzz was, what an incredible teacher. He doesn't teach like any rabbi that we have ever heard. He doesn't teach like anyone. He doesn't teach like anyone, you know, that we've ever seen in the temple courts. Matter of fact, when he teaches, it's almost as if he knows the heart of God. And it's not so much, you know, that he was a shouter like Femi or he was quiet like me or he told wonderful stories. It's whenever he taught, he introduced you and drew you in to the presence of the Father. Now, there are a million things, you know, that the disciples could have said, Lord, could you teach us that? You know, if I were following Jesus, I'd say, Lord, could you uh, teach me how you did that stuff with the water and the wine? That'd be a good thing to know. Or how you did the stuff with the bread. Or how you, you would do all those things that you, you do, those wonderful miracles. Or, Lord, could you teach us how to tell a story the way that you tell a story, how to speak the way that you speak. But Scripture records none of these things. There is one thing, however, they ask him to teach them. He said, Lord, could you teach us how to pray? And, and so if you saw Jesus from a distance, you were deeply impressed with the way he spoke. But if you knew Jesus up close, you were deeply impressed with his devotion to prayer. Matter of fact, Scripture says that Jesus uh, would often get up a great while before his day, withdraw into a lonely place, and pray. And so with the question lying in front of us, you know, Lord, teach us how to pray. We have our notebooks out. We're ready to take notes. We, we think there must be some deep secrets to prayer. We think there must be, you know, maybe some positions we can hold, some words we can say, you know, how much we should pray, how much time we should spend in prayer. But when Jesus teaches on prayer, it's, it's very simple. Matter of fact, it's very, very profound, and, it, and it's, it's very fresh. Matter of fact, he just gives us two simple guidelines. This is, 
not the way to pray, but here you go. This is not the way you should pray, but this is the way you should approach the Father. And then he gives us this wonderful model prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to go back to the passage we just read, and let me read it for you a little more expansively, uh, and let's read it together. So grab your Bibles or your electronic devices or however you track with the Word, and uh, go to Matthew chapter 6, and let's begin in verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'm gonna do it one more time just for your practice. And this is the word of the Lord. You're getting so much better at that. That's absolutely awesome. So Jesus gives us you know, two simple guidelines. And the first guideline he gives us is simply this. We don't need to try to impress each other. Maybe you felt that pressure. You're in a gospel community. The leaders ask you to pray. Your hands get just a little bit sweaty. Your mouth kind of dries up. You're thinking, you know, what should I say? So many people pray so well. Or, or maybe you have the circle where you pray in a circle. And so everybody's going around the circle. and Every time you know, for the last three or four weeks that you've gathered for a gospel community, you squeeze the person's hand next to you as hard as you can just to let them know, I'm not going to say anything this time. But, but maybe you feel like this is the time maybe I ought to jump in and I ought to be a part of the community. So I'm, I'm going to go for it. And you start thinking, what are the most impressive theological words that I know? And so you think, probably I should mention the sovereignty of God. Uh, maybe I should talk about his propitious sacrifice. That would be good could even go as far as, you know, to talk about infralapsarianism or any great, you know, theological thing. And, and then the next thing you're thinking, after I've got a few impressive words in mind that I can use in my prayer, the next thing you're thinking is, what about my voice? Should my voice be really soft and reverent? Or should my voice be really elevated and, and grand? And, and how should I pray? And Jesus wants us to know from the outset, none of that's necessary. Remember, he says, the people that do that are, or the hyper-religious. And they're far more worried about making an impression on you than they are having a heart for God. Matter of fact, the way they pray reveals that they do not know God at all because they're seeking something other than the approval of God in the way they pray. So Jesus pulls no punches. He, he calls them hypocrites. It's a strong word. Uh, the Greek word that he uses is a word for a mask. An actor would put on in Greek tragedy as they changed roles, they would change masks. So they could play one part, and then they could play another part. And Jesus is saying these guys are just playing a part. They have not connected with the Heavenly Father. And his warning to us is, do not be like them. So when you go to uh, verse 5, it says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. And here's the heart of it. They've fallen in love with the adulation 
that they received from others. Now, in Jesus' day, it was common practice for devout Jews to pray three times a day. Uh, they would pray first when they got up. The first thing that they would do would be to open their day and pray to the Lord. They would pray right before they went to bed and before they fell asleep, so that the last word was God's word. Then they prayed in the middle of the day, and it fell at the ninth hour, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, of course, this is prime time. All the city is moving, and everybody is going in all kinds of different directions. And it's just a perfect time to stop wherever you are and to lift up your hands boldly and to pray as an act of devotion. A lot of people are going, wow, that's awesome. Matter of fact, uh, I was driving around here in Lagos uh, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, three of our Muslim friends, you know, pulled out their mats, and they were on the street corner, and they rolled them out, and, and they began to pray. And, you know, as they were praying, I was praying for them, that as they were praying to Allah, that Jesus would reveal himself, you know, to them. And, and, and that can be an act of deep devotion, but if we're more concerned with what we look like than the connection that we have with God, we've strayed far from God's purposes in, in prayer. And so the whole idea was Jesus gives us a little solution. It's a pretty simple solution. He says, of these guys, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corner while our Muslim friends would bow in prayer. The Jewish posture was far more open and far more grand, and the prayers were far more rich, as they quoted from the Psalms. And so it was something that would be a spectac you know, spectacular thing to behold. He said, when you pray, do not pray, be like the hypocrites, for they love praying, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners that are seen by others. Truly, I tell you, that's it. They've received the reward in full. They had a moment, and the moment was all that they have. Jesus comes back, and he offers you know, a counter strategy. In, in verse 6, he says, but when you pray, Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Do you feel the rhythm of what Jesus is saying? We have those five little verbs in it. It's right there close together, and they have a huge impact. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and, and pray. And then I love the next part of this. He says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. If you have the more formal translation, like the English Standard Version or, or something like that. It doesn't say pray to your father who is unseen, but pray to your father who is in secret. And it's almost an invitation. Your father will meet you in the secret place. So very deliberate. Find your place. Go there. Close the door behind you and pray. And your father will see what is done in secret, and he will reward what is done in secret. And it's the whole idea, and of course the secret place is not just a place where you close the door, and it's not just a place you know, where you go and, and hide. The secret place for all of us is where? In the depths of our heart. And your, heart, your father who is seeing the heart is rewarding what he sees you know, in the heart. Simple caution here, this is not, you know, Jesus is not you know, telling us not to pray in public. He is not telling us not to pray together in, in community. Matter of fact, Jesus prayed in public. On, on one occasion, he even said, I'm, I'm not saying these words because you need to hear them, Lord. I'm saying these words because they need to hear them, and they need to know that you hear me, and that you hear us when we pray. 
And so we're not only, you know, commanded to pray for each other, we're commanded to pray with each other. The early church often gathered together and they prayed. So that what we're talking about is not never to pray in public. What Jesus is doing is leading us to a place that shapes what we do in public. And the thing that shapes what we do in public is the secret place of the heart. We were praying just a few minutes ago when we sang those songs. We were praying prayers of confession together. All of us were rich. Matter of fact, when we pray this model prayer, this is a prayer for the community of God. You know, when we pray, we're praying to who? We're praying to our Father. And when we pray, we're praying for our bread. And when we pray, we're talking about our debts and our debtors and our temptations. And so when we're praying, whether we're praying in private or whether we're praying in public, we're always praying with the community in mind. We're in this together. We're bound together by one Father. We are seeking one kingdom. We are pursuing one will. And when we pray for our bread, we want to pray for the needs of others. And when we pray about our debts, we want to have in mind the struggles of others. And we pray for our temptations. We have the whole community in mind. So Jesus is not talking about not praying in public. He's saying there is one place that will shape all of your public worship and all of your public praying. And that's the secret place where you meet with him alone. So our public worship is what? It's an overflow of the time we spend in secret. And the more we spend in secret, the richer our worship becomes, the richer our community comes, the richer our witness becomes. If a young pastor were to ask me you know, about church planting, I said, you know, what are some of the keys you know, to church planting? Uh, I would say, you know, let's, let's forget about church planting for a moment. Here are the two big things that you need to know. As you're going into ministry, these are the two most important things I could possibly, you know, tell you. There are two relationships you have that no matter how much you invest in them, they'll never take away from you. They will always give back. One of those relationships, of course, the relationship you have with your wife. God has called you to treasure her and to love her and to deeply invest in her. And the more you are a team together and the more you work together, the richer your ministry will be. But obviously the foundation of even the marriage is the time you spend alone with God. And the minute we abandon the secret space for the public space, we've become professionals rather than children of God. And it is a very important thing that he's calling us to do. So he says, go to the secret place. Now notice there, there's something that he says that we probably miss. Because we've heard the three, you know, the three commands that come in rapid procession. Go into a room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Here is what Jesus wants us to see more than anything else. He is doing the Sermon on the Mount in order to introduce us to the heart of the Father. So what does he tell us about the Father? He says, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now my mind immediately goes to Hebrews chapter 11. Where the writer of Hebrews tells us, without faith, it's impossible for us to please God. Because if any of us come to him, we must first of all believe that he exists. But there's something even more foundational than that. After we believe that he exists, we believe what? Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. 
Now, how does God reward us? Does he just, you know, kind of adorn our day with a few little delights? You know, as we go through the day, our day's a little easier, you know, because we you know, bowed in prayer. Does he adorn us, you know, with big gifts like, you know, many prosperity gospels would teach? You know, if we pray in exactly the right way and if we claim it and if we never back out and if we don't have seasons of doubt and if we don't let any you know, other voices in our head and we're very careful in how we do it, then God will bless us with these big, bountiful, you know, things that we desire and we want. How, how does God, you know, really reward us? What are, what are the true riches? First of all, God's rewards are far more than just little sprinkles of grace through the day. Second of all, God's riches are far richer stuff you can put in your garage or the stuff that you can wear or the stuff, the job that you have and all of these different things that we long for. God's reward is the deep fellowship that we have with him. Remember our, our friend John Piper? Do, do you guys, any Presbyterians here? I didn't think there were any on this side. of any. Does anybody know a Presbyterian? We have one person here that knows a Presbyterian. That's awesome. So I'm going to use all Presbyterian illustrations from here on out. Do you know what the Westminster Catechism is? It's how Presbyterians teach you know, people the faith. And so they ask questions and you answer questions. And the very first question may be familiar to you. The very first question is, what is the chief purpose uh, of men and women? And, and the answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Do any of you know John Piper? So we'll use a lot of John Piper illustrations as well. I'm really going way off on, on, on you guys this morning. Our friend John Piper changes it by changing one word. He said, if you really want to bring in the gospel, and you ask the question, what is our chief purpose in life? To glorify God and, and to enjoy him forever. Dr. Piper says we should change that one word and we should put in by because our chief purpose is to glorify God, and this is the way we glorify Him. Our chief purpose is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. And that is how God rewards us with fellowship with Him, which is His richest of riches. Doesn't matter what you don't have if you know Him. Doesn't matter what you do have if you do not know Him. If you know Him, you have the deepest of riches. We, we love to tell our people in our church, you know, God's fellowship with God is what you would want if you were only smart enough to know what you really wanted. In other words, we want Him, and He gives us Himself when we find Him in the secret place. And He meets His deep, deep needs. You know, we, we have all kinds of ideas, you know, about the things that we need. He meets those deep, deep needs. We need another job. We need to move to a different location. We need a different house. We need, you know, to meet the right person. We need, you know, all of these things that we, we think will fulfill us. Our God knows exactly what he needs, and he rewards us with his presence, and he meets all of our needs. Now, there's a second little piece of instruction he gives us before he takes us to the model prayer. Uh, the first one is this. You don't have to impress each other. You can go before God very simply in a quiet place or in a public place, and you can share your heart with him, and, and he hears you. The, the second is really even more refreshing to me. First of all, he says we don't have to impress each other when we pray. 
as something that's done in secret between us and God. The second thing he says is, is we don't even have to impress God. Now, he, he shifts groups. First, he's talking about these hyper-religious people with their elevated prayers, and their love to be seen, and they love it when people call on them in synagogues. He said, don't be like them. Be someone who is connected in a very private and a very deep way to the Lord, and he will reward you. The second group he talks about, and I love the way we translate it in, the, in, in our translations. It, it sounds a little rough. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. That sounds really pagan, doesn't it? Nothing sounds more pagan than pagan. But anyway, what he's talking about is the nations. The people around us have no idea who God is. They have no idea how deeply he loves us, and you don't need to be like them. And notice how he describes their prayers. He said, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. I, we do something in the United States. Do, do you guys do this? And whenever a conversation is going really long and you want to be really rude, you just go, you don't do that? We, we just kind of mimic, you know, somebody, boy, my illustrations are awesome this morning, aren't they? We're just going to be the best of friends after this is over. But anyway, we just go, ah, blah, 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 you know, describing a conversation where somebody's just going on and on and on and on. And, and you almost, you know, get the sense that Jesus is saying, sometimes our prayers can sound like that to God. You know, we're just in there throwing words in the air. We're not really making a deep contact, you know, with the Heavenly Father. I, I read, you know, books when I was growing up about people who had incredible prayer lives. Some of them would pray for hours. I remember reading, you know, about, you know, one gentleman who prayed so much during the course of his life, he always knelt at his bed to pray. And at the end of his life, he had worn holes in the floor from where his knees were when he prayed. And, and I think I was about in third grade. And, and so I decided I want to pray like that. And, uh, you know, I had a nice little, you know, lively translation of scripture that I would, you know, read in the morning. And uh, I decided, you know, one day I was going to pray for three hours. So I think it was a really good start, right? Because the disciples couldn't pray with Jesus for one hour in the garden, and I was going to pray for three hours. It sounded pretty spiritual to me. So anyway, I decided I'm going to just take this morning off, and I'm going to read Scripture, and I'm going to pray for three hours. And, and so I read my Scripture, and uh, then I began to pray. And, uh, and I prayed pretty naturally for a little while, and then it got a little bit belabored, and then I started trying to think up things to pray. And I prayed for everything I could possibly think of, and prayed as hard as I possibly could. And I looked down at my watch, and three and a half minutes had, had, had gone by. And I felt like an absolute failure. I mean, here I am, you know, I'm trying to impress you, God, with how dedicated I am to prayer and how devoted I am into this. And I'm trying to be fervent in prayer and I'm trying to be a, a prayer warrior. And Jesus would look at someone who feels like they're a failure because they haven't measured up to all the biographies they read and said, don't think I hear you because of your many words. Matter of fact, our, our minds move, you know, probably the best example of this, you know, our minds move in the Old Testament to Elijah. Uh, do you remember he had, uh, was prophesying in the nation of Israel when they were as far from God as they could possibly be. The worship of Baal had, you know, been introduced by Ahab and Jezebel. And there were 400, uh, you know, prophets of Baal. Elijah was convinced he was the only prophet of the Lord left. And so finally they had a showdown on, on the mountain. 
And they decided, you know, there on Mount Carmel that they would build two altars and that they would prepare the sacrifice. And as they prepared the sacrifice, each of them would pray to their God. They wouldn't light the sacrifice. Each one of them would pray to their God. And, and whichever God responded by lighting the sacrifice or responding with fire, then that would be the God that Israel worshipped. So Elijah turns to the 400 prophets of Baal. and says, you guys go first. We can settle this thing, you know, right, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> right here and right now. And so they begin to pray. And as they start to pray, they start early in the morning, and it tends to get to about noon, and Elijah starts to mock them. Maybe your God's just a little bit too far away. Why don't you pray louder? So they pray louder. Maybe he's just disinterested. So they start cutting themselves and getting into a frenzy and working themselves up just to get their God's attention. And they pray all day long. And finally, at the end of it, they're exhausted and they're lying in pools of their own blood. And Elijah gets up. And in Hebrew, it is says seven words. And when he says those seven words, God responds. And that's what Jesus is saying. Better seven words of sincere prayer than a million where we think we're seeking the attention of the Lord. And then he comes back with this wonderful theology. He says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Well, well why pray? I mean, if God already knows what I need before I ask him, well, why pray? And the reason we pray is because he has invited us into the secret place to know him. And as we come before him with our needs, he shapes our heart. And as he shapes our heart, we're able to commune in prayer, and he is able you know, to answer our prayer. But it's really important you know, when we hear these words, your father knows what you need. And you know, a lot of times we think of him as like you know, kind of a sports trainer. He puts you on a diet. If you've ever gone in, he kind of pokes your belly a little bit and grabs it and holds on to it for a couple of seconds and says, we, we need a diet here. And uh, so he describes a diet, and he gives you, oh, let's do 1,000 calories a day. And you go, 1,000 calories a day? That's, that's usually, you know, first breakfast for me. And he says, you know, let's do 1,000 calories a day. And not only 1,000 calories, I want you to do 1,000 of the most bland calories you can possibly pick out. So if food tastes good, here's the rule. If food tastes good, you don't eat it. That's not on your diet. And so a lot of times when we think about God meeting our needs, that's what we think of. God gives us barely enough. He just gives us barely enough. And it's the blandest we possibly could be. And we need to be happy because that is not who God is. And that is not what Jesus is saying. When Jesus says he knows your needs, he's saying he knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly how to meet your needs, and he has a desire to meet your needs in the riches of abundance. Now again, it's not so much you know, the job that we have. It's not so much you know, the things that we have in our garage. It's not you know, all of those things you know, that we're concerned about that we think if we have all of those things, then, then everything will be just. He knows exactly what you need. And he knows how to give good gifts to your children. Don't you like that story where Jesus said, think of your, your father. And, and you may have had a great father. You may have had a uh, not-so-good father. Think of your father. 
Did you ever ask him for bread and he gave you a stone? Did you ever ask him for fish and he gave you a snake? And then he said, if you being evil, and what he means by that is not that you're as wicked as you could possibly be, but you being, people are prone to sin. How many of your parents? Isn't the most confusing thing in the world knowing how to meet the needs of your kids? Sometimes you want to give them really great gifts, but you ask yourself, you know, the question, am I going to spoil them? Sometimes you want to really discipline them, but you ask yourself the question, am I being too hard? And as a parent, you never know how to exactly be with your kids. You don't know whether they need to be comforted or instructed. You don't know where they need good gifts or that, that those will spoil them. And so as a parent, you're always kind of guessing, what is the best thing for my kids? God does not have to guess. He knows exactly what is best for you. He knows exactly how to give it to you. And, and he is more than willing to meet your needs. And that's what Jesus is saying. Don't think you have to impress him. Don't think you have to impress each other. Your father wants to reward your relationship with him, and nothing is more richly rewarding. And he knows how to give you exactly what you need in exactly the way you need it. And he always gives in abundance. So those are the two rules. <clears throat> don't think you have to impress each other. And don't think you have to impress God for him to hear you. You can go the very simplest of prayers with the very purest of hearts, and your God hears you, and your God meets you, and your God will supply your needs. And then he says, and this then is how you, how you pray. <clears throat> I have two kids, <clears throat> one of them a son, and the other a daughter. They're both really good athletes. Uh, but I have, uh, when I had my son, I related to him very naturally. We, we, you know, sports we did together, the fishing we did together, uh, you know, the kind of guy talk thing, you know, we enjoyed together. And, I, you know, after a little while, I realized I was trying to turn my daughter into a son and you know, trying to, you know, do all of the same things. And so one day I just had a father-daughter talk. I, you know, I went to April and I said, April, can you tell me something? How does a dad love uh, his daughter? And, and she gave me the strangest answer. And I said, well, what do you talk about? And she said, it doesn't matter. You just talk. And so I came up with a thing where I'd go home every day, and I'd jog for 45 minutes, and she would ride her bike beside me. And she would talk for 45 minutes, and I was out of breath. So I couldn't offer any advice. I couldn't tell her what I thought. And it was just the most wonderful relationship. I finally learned how to listen, you know, and all of that. Jesus, and I don't even really know why I told you that story. But Jesus is saying, this is, this is what you talk about. When you come into the presence of the Heavenly Father, here, here are the things that should be on your heart and your mind. So I'm going to you know, close you know, this message by just you know, leading you through the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to pray it for you in an expansive paraphrase. I'm going to ask you just to where you are. You know, as as you know, the different things that I'm praying resonate with you, to pray them for yourself and to pray them, you know, for your church along with me. So let's just, let's just close in a long prayer. Our Father, how grateful we are that we can know you as Father 
And, and of course, the scripture says that you have sent your spirit into our hearts so that we may know that we are children of God. And it is by your spirit that we cry out, Abba, Father. We thank you that you love us as your children and you have given us the privilege of being a part of your family. Father, we long to be in a world that honors your name. We, we long to be in a church that honors your name. We, we long to be people who, who deeply honor your name. So may your name be holy among us. And Father, you've told us about a day that uh, your kingdom will come when you will wipe away every tear, that you will restore joy and you will reconcile us fully to you. But we know that the kingdom has already come. The king is already here. And, and Father, we ask as we experience as much of your grace now as your people now as in that as we can before that day when we see you. And Father, may your will be done. May your will be done in this city. May your will be done in this fellowship. May your will be done in our hearts and in our lives in the same way it is done in heaven right now. And Father, how we thank you for bread. You have given us so many good graces to enjoy. You filled our life with delights of friends. You filled our delight with the delights of the food that we share. You filled our life with the delight of the, the things that we enjoy, and all of these come from your hand. Father, we, we come before you uh, with needs great and small. Some of them are, are, are so small we hardly even think about them, but some of them are so big that they're all we think about. And they rob us of our joy, and they rob us of fellowship with you. And, and Father, we ask you to remind us that you are sufficient for all of our needs. That your grace is the grace that provides small things, and your grace is the grace that sustains us in hard things. Your grace is the grace that removes despair and anxiety and gives us peace in Jesus Christ. So we lean deeply into you. And Father, forgive us our debts when we reflect upon your majesty and on your goodness and on your grace and on your kingdom and on your majesty and on your power and on your beauty and on your gentleness, we know that we fall far short. We thank you that you are restoring us and transforming us by grace. So we freely come before you and we confess our sins. We know that we have sinned against you in word and in thought and in deed. And the things that we have done and the things that we have left undone. We've not loved you with our whole heart. We've not loved our neighbors ourselves. Father, we pray that you would renew our passion and our affection for you and our desire to walk in your ways you would restore us that we might be your people and we're thankful that when we confess our sin that you're not simply faithful and just to forgive us our sin but you restore us and renew us in your grace in that very moment 
And Father, because we have received so much grace, may we forgive those who have offenses against us and may we be a people of grace. We know, Lord, that you, you lead us into hard places in order to mold our character and shape our hearts, to cause us to look to you and walk with you. But we do thank you that no temptation has seized us except what is common to man. And you're faithful in every one of those temptations to provide a way out so that we may stand up under it. Thank you for the grace you give us in the hard moments. We thank you for the delight you give us in the joyous moments. And Father, we pray that the enemy would have no share of either our joy or our anguish but that we would be carefully safe in you by your grace and by your providence for your glory. And of course, in the traditional version of this prayer, we end by saying, and yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.